Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Brandon Cullen. Brandon has an edgy approach to fitness based on the valuable experience he's earned as a professional athlete, personal trainer, gym owner, and now co-founder and chief concept officer at Metabolic. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I have a million questions. (laughs) Why (laughs) Why don't you share with our audience, how you got started in the fitness industry? Because obviously, I think when people hear professional athlete, everybody is really intrigued because that's kind of like the epitome, you know, growing up, you play sports, everybody wants to turn pro. So what did that look like for you? Um, Not very glamorous. So I was a professional athlete, but in the minor leagues. So I never, I ended up playing one NHL game and actually had a career ending concussion in that first game but the bulk of my career was kind of grinding it out in first in amateur in the canadian major junior leagues and then i transitioned and spent the bulk of my career in the uh, new york rangers farm system split between the charlotte checkers and the hartford wolfpack so it was to to be 100 percent honest it was a real fun but not glamorous life we're not talking planes we're talking pretty pretty dingy buses and overnight trips, but um, I loved it. Um, And I think it set me up for a lot of resilience, I guess you would say. I I got pretty used to getting cut or failing early on. So I think that kind of really helped into the whole entrepreneurial role that I do play now. And I I think it's great preparation because a lot of people, I think from the outside, they think the fitness industry is like very sexy. It's like people wearing sports bras and like, you know, hot (laughs) shorts, walking around and just high-fiving people and like cheering people on. And it's so fun and glamorous. And then the actual day-to-day of, you know, opening up a facility at 5 a.m., getting a call at midnight that your alarm's going off. You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that's kind of speaks to that grind that you were talking about and getting ready for hockey. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, I, I guess uh, small business, it's probably not exclusive to the fitness industry, but yeah, long hours, early mornings. When you think of people that like to work out, they like to work out always. So even on holidays, um, when your staff is back visiting their, their friends, you know, you are usually the one filling in, um, to make sure your staff can go see their family on holidays and stuff like that. So again, I'm guessing this is not specific to fit the fitness industry, but just small business in general. That makes a lot of sense. And I too have worked many new year's days and Christmas and, and whatnot. And you know, those, those days are, are fun, (laughs) but it's also a grind. So tell us after you wrapped up your career with that concussion in, in hockey, what came next? So the, the transition was somewhat, I don't want to say natural, but doable. Cause one of the things I did in my off seasons 
to, um, well, actually to keep money in my bank account, I would say, from season to season would be I would train other players. So fitness for me, I, I, I'd like to say that I think I was like an average gifted player that excelled because of what I did off the ice and, and that being fitness. So fitness allowed me to stay more relevant on the ice with my natural skill set. Uh, and I kind of happened real randomly where players that I would play with, they would say, well, Brandon, do you mind if I follow your um, summer training program? And it really did start that small um, in my early 20s where I figured, you know, I had time in the summer waiting for my next season. I might as well get certified as a personal trainer. And I kind of worked backwards where I started working with collegiate and professional athletes. And I made my way back now to a career training everyday people somewhat like athletes. Uh, So it's kind of been almost like a backwards uh, way I got into the business. Right. I think a lot of trainers listening to this, like a lot of people that get into this industry, you know, aspire to train the pros as opposed Mm. to the everyday Joes, right? It seems like a little bit more glamorous. Is it? Well, number one, I think you got to be really, really good. And you got to be somewhat lucky to catch that celebrity trainer to actually make that a career. Uh, what I found was there was just more opportunity, uh, more reach uh, working with the everyday person. I, like you said, I love training athletes and I love training athletic people. And, and the product that I represent now, Metabolic, we do have a very athletic membership base. But um, to be that person that trains the Tom Brady's of the world, I don't know if that's smart career path or, or choice. I think there's a lot of opportunity um, in a lot of areas of fitness. Right. And so I, you brought up an interesting uh, point. I do think a lot of people, you know, when I think of like the person that goes to CrossFit or the person that goes to Barry's or any of these, like, you know, even flywheel with their leaderboard, any of these people that do these like highly competitive workouts, they kind of think of themselves as an athlete and they want to train like an athlete, even though they might be a stay at home mom or a CEO of a business. And so how did you kind of see that? And then and create this concept of metabolic? So I'll try to tell this story quick, but it does make a lot of sense. So when we, my business partner, his name's Kirk DeWall, uh, we co-founded the company together and we met in our last season playing um, for the Charlotte Checkers here where in Charlotte, where our flagship location is. And the story kind of goes something like this. Um, I had fallen into CrossFit um, at the end of my career when I trained at a really grungy little boxing gym in downtown Buffalo. And there happened to be one of the first kind of CrossFit trainers there. And he used to put me through a finisher type workout at the end of um, all of my sports specific training sessions, right? So I started doing my research on my own and fast forward a couple years later, I'm out at the end of the season with that concussion. Um, My partner Kirk happened to have um, hernia surgery. So we spent a lot of time in the stands, like watching the team play. And Kirk was a very similar story to me where excelled because he was just, uh, he was a freak when it came to physical fitness and it just made him a better 
hockey player altogether. So we had just very honest conversations. <laughs> and the one day I looked over, I kind of was like, I think this CrossFit thing could, could, could be big. <laughs> so we, you gotta, you gotta think though, this was, this was 10, like 10 plus years ago. So at that point, we got involved with an affiliate here in Charlotte that was the 125th affiliate in the entire world. And there was two in, in Charlotte. And if you fast forward to now, I think we got 90 in Charlotte. And I think there's, who knows, there's, I think there's 20,000 in the world. So just a different time completely. And the shift that happened when we were in that business, we were involved with a couple different CrossFits, owning one and being part of another one. But that time was very different in that world. So you were training ex-military people, um, highly ex-athletes, collegiate athletes, um, people that have been exposed to Olympic weightlifting and high intensity kind of training their entire life. And then within a year, boom, it hit pop culture and it became this um, machine you couldn't stop. And all of a sudden you had like, you had people coming out of jazzercise and they were underneath a barbell because it was the new cool thing to do. And that kind of started our conversation on, you know, what are we doing here? Um, do not, not saying it can't be done, but do we really need to be putting this type of activity towards a general population? We started seeing the common things like injuries uh, for stay at home parents. And we just, we had some very honest conversations. Um, the other thing that existed at that point is you're only able to have one affiliate per owner. So there was no real opportunity to make a career out of it at that point because we had two of us there with one gym and, and there was really nowhere for us to take it, right? So the, the short version of the story is we were exposed to so much training because of our careers. And a lot of it that was not in the CrossFit methodology. You know, it's CrossFit was very straight up and down and straightforward, developing just very powerful human beings. But we had this uh, love for pure athleticism, agility, um, uh, plyometrics, and, and, and interval training altogether. So we already had this background and, and there was this massive opportunity in the, in the middle of the market where you had sports specific training, which I would have considered like CrossFit on one end of the spectrum. And then you had your everyday boot camp that you would find at your YMCA's because this is before the real rise of the orange theories or the F45s where they've really branded a boot camp under a, a brick and mortar business now, right? So we saw this real good opportunity in the middle of the market to go after people that wanted high quality training, but that were kind of also past their sport, which we would have considered CrossFit at the time. So I went on a tangent there, but that that was kind of the that that's kind of the story. No, but that's, that's a part. Yeah, I, I mean, it's important to understand the evolution of how the concept 
came to life? Because I think a lot of people, you know, they might have different ideas of things that they want to do, but it's like, how do you take something from, you know, ideation, from conversations to actual execution? So learning your journey and how this all, you know, started by blending kind of a combination of exposures that you had had both through professional sports, from training professional athletes, from being a part of the CrossFit world and also seeing what consumers need. I mean, that's kind of how businesses are born, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cool to know you guys were kind of the wounded warriors on the side coming up, you know, hatching a business plan without even, you know, knowing it. So after, you know, so how did you actually come up with the concept and actually like, what was your first step in actually making this a real life business? Well, the first step was our logo, funny enough. So there's a good blog about the story. I think it's called the story of the girl. I wrote a blog years ago, but so we had a successful CrossFit business. We had no reason to leave, but I had this, this gut feeling about this opportunity and I, and I knew it was more of like, I don't know, a 25 to 45 year old past their sport, naturally athletic type A person, like driven, you know, kind of thing. And I, and I, at the time, do you remember the movie, a girl with a dragon tattoo? Yes. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So I remember just this badass woman that was kicking ass. Like I loved the movie. So I started Googling female fighter sketches, female fighter cartoon, like, and, and I eventually came across this image of a girl that looked like she was in almost like motorcycle clothes. It was like a Japanimation looking thing. And she had kind of like her head looking down and I contacted the artist who was, she was like an 18 year old artist in art school in San Diego. And I said, would you mind doing a concept? And the, the image was called fighter. So I said, I love your image fighter. Would you mind doing a, a concept of this with a girl in like, um, like Lululemon clothing, like athletic clothing. And she said, yeah, sure. I'll send you a deposit form. And, uh, you can pay me half now and half at the end. So I, I'm thinking, I don't know, like what type of, you know, deposit Forbes coming back. There's not a lot of money going around at this point of the business, <clears throat> but it was hilarious because she sent me a $40 deposit form and then paid $40 upon completion. And that was like the birth of our, our logo and look $80, which is kind of hilarious to look back at now. I mean, I was in college, $80 buys a lot of beer or, yeah. you know, <laughs> sub sandwiches. <laughs> so I took this image, I had it designed without my partner knowing, and I printed it up and put it on his desk. And I was like, I think we need to sell our CrossFit business and do this. And he goes, why? <laughs> it's like he said, we don't have to, we're doing great. And I said, yeah, but I just, so we had been experimenting on weekends within our facility doing which we called at the time conditioning based workouts and pretty much what we did was we removed the scoreboard we started making like partner based workouts and we did everything to time and we started noticing that our weekend classes were busier than our monday through friday and also we were getting different people that were bringing friends in that weren't that were nervous of the barbell so that again got the wheels turning like okay so why is this 
happening and blah, blah, blah. So the evolution of it now, and, and it's funny, uh, when I say a lot of people have tried to do the removing of the barbell side of things, and it becomes pretty much a boot camp. One of the biggest differences I'm sure we'll get to talk about um, within the podcast is we move, we move significant amount of weight. So we don't have the barbell, but we, I mean, we have our dumbbells go up to 90, 100 pounds. I mean, we do deadlifts with 48 kilogram kettlebells in each hand. So like we are a very different concept in that strength and conditioning space without the barbell. Um, so we still wanted to give that athletic feel of a workout, but we wanted to do it in a more scalable, uh, and, and that was one of the first kind of shifts that started to make sense. So explain the concept of each class to the audience, please. So we, we do everything off of energy system training. So work to rest ratios, you know, there's nothing sexy about talking about that but we base everything off of science. Um, we have three different styles of intervals that kind of follow that MAD acronym. So we have momentum-based workouts that are, they're a gradual build and in intensity over the course of the workout. So we will start the first third of the workout at about a 70% effort and we'll build through that workout and in, in, in the middle we'll be at about 80% and then by the end we'll be at a controlled sprint at 90%. So that's, that's uh, interval structure number one. We call those momentum-based workouts and they're all two to one work to rest ratios and they follow that um, kind of path. Um, our anaerobic days, which is the A, um, they are our speed and power out max efforts you kind of have uh, one-to-one work to rest ratio so just as much work as there is rest and then the final one we do durability days that are long grinds so so an 80 percent slow grind so think two to five minutes of walking lunges and bear crawls a lot of strength stability type work so you know talking about these things isn't you know, like the general consumer doesn't care too, too much about what's happening as long as they're getting the results, but we base everything off of science and we add that human factor by attaching a name to that. So momentum means something to our clients. Anaerobic means something to our clients and durability means something to them. So that's how the, uh, the three styles of intervals, we actually create our, training program uh, a year in advance as far as a structure goes. We program four 12-week cycles over the course of the year with four deload weeks in the middle. And then there's just this natural groove of the, uh, the way that the, the, week, the weeks are set up. They'll roll over top of one another, creating this real diverse uh, program where you may come one week. Most of our clients come four days a week, four to five days a week. So you may come one week that has two momentums, one anaerobic, one durability. And then the following week, the way it rolls, you'll have two durabilities, one anaerobic, one momentum. So when you lay that over a 12-week cycle or a calendar year, you have a real balanced um, uh, athletic portfolio to, to give to your clients. I love that you program out like that because I think, you know, that 
there's so many people that don't even understand what programming is and they think like, oh, I work out four or five days a week, like I'm going to get results, but they don't understand what programming does to Mm -hmm. your body and how you need muscle confusion and all these different things to actually get the results. It's not just about, you know, doing a random workout that you find on YouTube uh, five days a week. And I still believe the general (laughs) public does not understand that. But then there's kind of a flip to the other, uh, other side of the coin where you were saying like, okay, well, the average person maybe doesn't want to know about this, but I think consumers want to know more and more now because now we have like Whoop and Apple Watch and you're, people are collecting all this data. They might not know what the heck it means or what they're doing with it, but they're wanting to be a little bit more informed. So thanks for breaking that down for us. So um, Brandon, I'm curious as to why you decided to go with a franchise uh, model for metabolic as opposed to like a licensing model, which I believe is what the affiliate CrossFit's are. Yeah, I think, so my partner and I were pretty, uh, we're pretty honest with what our, what our skill sets are. Um, So we knew to go after any true scale we would have, uh, the franchise model made sense. Um, so that's why we approach that. The other thing is we're very type A driven. And I mean, if you go into our location in Austin today or in a suburb of Toronto and Canada in Burlington or in Charlotte, you are going to get a near identical experience. Um, we follow a very top down uh, training model where me and my partner do all the programming. We've trained every single trainer within our system at all locations. And I think we are over a hundred coaches now. Um, and we've worked with every one of them individually. So <clears throat> I think we offer cons- a, a level of consistency and professionalism that just really doesn't exist in the franchise model. As far as in boutique fitness right now, I think you can run into great trainers and great facilities. But as far as having an identical experience um, from place to place to place, I think the franchise model gave us a little bit more control on what you could do there. The affiliate model, I mean, I mean, that was one of unfortunately CrossFit's biggest downfalls is they were able to sell, protect the name but then anybody could take a weekend course and be a CrossFit trainer the next day. And I think, you know what, I was in there early enough where I know that um, you couldn't have stopped their growth. So there's nothing, there's nothing to really hold negative against them because it was a powerhouse. It was a disruptor like the fitness industry has never seen. You couldn't stop this thing once it got going. But I bet you the people that started it, if they could have like went backwards, they would have lot wanted a lot more control over um that consistency from location to location and that was something that was really important to us and that makes a lot of sense brandon because when you talk about how you program out for the year and programming is so important to your business that is like a proprietary portion of your business you want anybody that has you know the name metabolic on the door to be consistent and in line with with what you're offering so i i just always like to ask that question to anybody that has a franchise because i think there's you know a lot of confusion out there to some people as to like why some you know why franchising is better for some models first licensing and thank you for clarifying that so yeah. what what do you think your first to market advantages are 
Well, so funny, and I know CrossFit came up early, but the reality is, is in our world right now, they're really no longer part of the conversation. So the big players that we would be considered competitors with where I could challenge that or, or not, but the Orange Theories, the F45s, the burn boot camps, the berries, the the high intensity interval training model, which isn't, it's not what we sell, but it, it's what we're looped into. I think our biggest advantage there is, well, let me start off by saying that the thing that's awesome about fitness is there is a lot of opportunity to reach a lot of different people, right? So what I see right now in the industry with the berries, the orange theories, the F45s, even the, like, if you think about it, the, the soul cycle and the cycle bar and even um, core power yoga, they're, they really are all going after this one consumer. Um, it's very community driven first um, high fives and all that stuff and kind of program second. And it's very, weight loss kind of driven. They seem to do very well at uh, 25 and under and then like 40 plus and over um, with a very strong female driven population. And what we're finding now is we find this sweet spot right in the middle where we kind of nail 25 to 45 year old high achievers. Um, we have a very strong male uh, presence. So in, in our most mature um, markets, we'd be a 60, 40 split, which is kind of like unheard of in the 60 female, but 40, 40 male, um, where these other products would be more in this like 80, 10, or even 90 or sorry, 80, 20 or 90, 10. And I think the big thing is, is this, um, strength bias or strength driven approach. Um, some of these people we have talked about, you know, their strongest men will have access to 40 to 45 pound dumbbells or kettlebells and we'll, we'll have double that. And, um, we have always prioritized the individual, the training and the program first, as opposed to kind of like leading with that, um, which is not bad. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Leading with that kind of like high five nature, um, ultra positivity where we kind of like show up, provide these high performers the right kind of workout that drives them a ton of structure, a ton of consistency. And it seems to like create this unique community or culture that, that is kind of standing alone. Um, it's a smaller market than this other market. I'm talking about it, but it's a very definable market that you can go after. That makes sense. It makes a total sense. I mean, personally, I'm not a rah-rah person. I don't love that, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I just want to show up, get my workout in because I it's a, a, a huge priority for me and move on my day. Like, it's not about the, you know, I mean, everybody right now is trying to create an experience. For me, it's just a necessity. It's essential. And I want to make sure that my workout is the best quality. And I like being pushed and motivated by others, but I don't need that whole like, Oh my God, you're so amazing. Like screaming my name out into the mic. And some people love that. And some people don't. So you're, you're very aware of who your consumer is and what you're providing them. And I think that's so important. A lot of businesses make the mistake of trying to be 
you know, for everybody and you don't have to be to be successful, you know, having a niche and focusing on what makes you special, your key differentiator is the strength in the programming and you lead with that and that's why you're successful. So Brandon, if somebody was interested in opening up a franchise, what would they need to have? Like what are all the ducks that they need to have in a row to make that happen? Yeah, so we're pretty, um, I mean, we take this this uh, process very seriously. We always talk about, uh, I just gave a presentation recently to um, some new franchise, potential franchisees. And the one thing we talk about, me and my partner seem to only be able to relate everything to sports because that was our background. But we often say, um, you know, if you're, if you're at a draft for maybe you're at the NFL draft, you, you might not always take the number one person in the draft, like the most skilled person, but you might take that person that complements your team and makes your team better. So we have always taken that approach where, um, we want that entrepreneurial driven person that is scrappy and, um, you know, has, has the right kind of tone and wants to work hard, like you said early. Um, the other things as far as access to capital, we are pretty lean from a franchise model. I think right now, depending on the, the real estate, so if you're like the difference in going into Manhattan versus Greenville, South Carolina, right? I think at the range of our franchise agreement right now is somewhere between 240 and 380, which I know that's a lot of money. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is our competitors, you know, sometimes can be double that. So um, you pretty much need access to $250,000 and we have lenders that can help with that. So like we are set up with all that kind of things, but it isn't, it's, I hate saying that it isn't a lot of money, but it isn't in the fitness space, a ton of money in comparison to what the franchise world um, requires. So uh, the process kind of looks something like this. You can apply through the website. Um, immediately you will be um, introduced to one of the people on our sales team that kind of goes through those very basic uh, stages um, learning about the individual and also discussing markets of interest. Um, if everything seems to line up, uh, they eventually get to a phone call with our franchise president and eventually a phone call with me that kind of looks at the individual and the person. And at that point we are trying to see if they complement our team because we do love our partners, they do do a very good job representing our brand. So we want to make sure the people coming in uh, do the same. And if all those things lined up, we do a, what we call a discovery day, which is common in the franchise world. And pretty much we're big, big believers on, I know it's tough to do now, but we're big believers on shaking people's hands, taking them out for dinner, meeting them as people, throw them in a few workouts and, and let them see a one day kind of sales presentation in Charlotte uh, where it all started. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the process there. I love that. Cause you have a little old school vibe in there and yeah. I'm still, I'm an old school kind of gal. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have the, the, thought that you buy a franchise and you just like turn it on, you hang up the name, the sign, and then it's just, okay, just wait for the people to show up. And I love that you, you know, 
communicated that you're looking for people that are a little scrappy because, you know, I, I do some consulting for some, for some franchises and you've actually mentioned a couple that I've worked with. And, um, you know, I think that's the biggest differentiator between a successful franchisee and <laughs> one that's not is somebody that's willing to kind of figure it out. When you're looking for a leader, leaders figure it out. You don't have to know everything, but you have to have the ability and the kind of chutzpah to be able to say, hey, let me, you know, I don't know this, but I'm going to research it. I'm going to ask the right questions and I'm going to figure it out instead of just waiting, you know, for somebody else to give you the answer. You know, it's like focusing on problems versus focusing on solutions. So, yeah, you know, I, love I think that, that out. And I think what's great about that is if you could find that, um, yeah, that, that, that gritty person. I mean, our job as the franchisor is to be able to remove all barriers that, you know, could stop you from being successful. So the systems are there where if you are a person that can just follow the script and have a good work ethic, I mean, it's, it's a good opportunity, especially right now. Um, just in this, this space for sure. And what's the biggest challenge or need in your business right now, Brandon? Um, related to COVID specifically or just what we're seeing? Anything. Um, you know what? You said it earlier. Uh, educating the uneducated consumer is a difficult, um, it's an ongoing and difficult uh, campaign. And I don't, when I say uneducated consumer, it's because not every one of your clients is an exercise science major and they might've not been a professional athlete. So learning how to take some very complex um, program notes, complex uh, scientific things and put that into everyday English is a very tough thing to do. And you know, I, I get it. When someone goes on a website and they have a, a certain background that maybe they, they love to work out, but that's, that's kind of their background. So they see a kettlebell, they see a nice logo, and they see a schedule that uh, is close to their house when they like to train and a membership that makes sense to them. They're like, wow, this, these, these three things look identical, but this schedule makes more sense to me. When if you think of well, let's just take, uh, let's take us, let's take F45 and let's take Orange Theory. And, and you go on those uh, three websites, you'll probably see a lot of things that look a, a lot similar. But I think all three of the uh, chief concept officers of their brands would say, we are nothing alike. <laughs> and we would all be right. But getting that message to the consumer, that, that's ongoing, ongoing challenge. And that's something that I, you know, when I'm working with a client, that's something that I always tell them, like, find your key differentiators and beat that drum until the end of time, because that's what makes you special. Otherwise, how is a consumer supposed to know? You know, they're going to look at some like images. And of course, every image is going to show people working out. But how do they understand? And it's just by honing in on your key differentiators and really being able to clearly communicate and articulate what makes you special and different so that you can get in front of your ideal client and get that person coming in because your ideal client at metabolic is somebody that's more concerned with the results and the program than they are about, you know, driving an extra five minutes out of their way mm -hmm. because they're, you know, 
prioritizing their fitness and they're not the type of person that's going to just jump on a spin bike five days a week and think it's the same because they're just grabbing a workout. Um, so love your concept, love what you're up to, Brandon. If somebody's listening to this and they want to find out more, they want to connect with you, where can they do that? Um, I do most of my business connecting on LinkedIn. So um, you could find me there, just Brandon Cullen. And then our, any franchising information or any additional information can be easily found on our website, um, just metabolic.com. And then we're very active on social media too, predominantly Instagram. We have a, we have a good little team that represents our corporate voice and do a lot of um, interacting. And that's just simply at Metabolic. Um, so you can find us ev everywhere. But um, yeah, I think those would be the three spots. Awesome. Thanks so much for breaking your business down for us and sharing your story, Brandon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.